a very fun in-person, I mean, it's funner for me, but listeners, I don't know if you know the difference, but people are in my studio, which is very exciting. They're not from town. We've got Iz Harris and Johnny Harris who have been on the show together before, but not in person, I guess. This is great. It's a beautiful studio. We are in your studio looking out at a Calgary sunset and it's amazing. We think it's more fun too. Yeah. What happens so often is people will come to Alberta, which this is why you guys are here, is to see general Alberta. Some of the most beautiful things here are the mountains. We have great like skiing, great waterfalls and lakes and scenery. And so often people will hit the airport and then just run out into the mountains. Yeah, so, which is uh, what we did. We were not about to miss this, though. And yeah. I have other pod- people that have been on this show that didn't tell me they were here because they're like, disconnect of Calgary. Anyway, yeah. Calgary is a bigger city than you might think. <laughs> we're learning that. It does exist. <laughs> it has a million people. <laughs> it's actually very beautiful. Yeah, it is. And uh, well, I'm glad you guys could be here. Yeah. And how about we start with some general updates in your lives? I mean, obviously, it'd be good if homework for everybody pre-listened to the other episode, but in, let's assume they didn't. But okay. a lot has changed since the first time you guys were on here. Yeah, a lot has changed. To catch them up, at the time, you guys were both kind of just well, I guess is you were doing, you're starting getting serious about YouTube. Yeah. It was like getting real for you and you're like, I'm committed. I want to make this a job. Yeah, which is crazy. And Johnny I, was focused on Porters. Yeah, I was just on Porters. Porters was 100% everything at Didn't that have a time. YouTube channel. So what's happened? Fast since? forward a year and a half, Is has 150,000 subscribers on YouTube and is just doing YouTube all the time. Thank you. And is on billboards in Times Square uh, with Samsung and YouTube and is just killing it. And I'm just sitting here like, whoa. No, Johnny's had a lot of success with his past couple seasons of Borders and he's doing a USA one, which is we thought maybe would be like, oh, this will be low key and easy and like time with the family. It is so ambitious. (laughs) It's been like, Three weeks of just travel reporting days. Like, it is really intense. They're going to be good episodes, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. And, yeah, and then I started a YouTube channel doing kind of less formal explainers, like just like more, um, just like a little bit more vloggy meets explainers, like not really full journalism. Mixing just a little bit more vlog in there. Yeah, totally. And it's fun. And you're going to go hard at it this year. Yes, that's that's this year I'm going to be doing like really a lot on my YouTube. How much less time do you spend on one of your personal videos than a Vox video? Oh, I mean, I imagine so that's, much less time. That's yeah. some of it. It's like you can't... It's There's har- totally I mean, different products. I don't know yeah. if you can't. Some people spend a lot of time on YouTube videos, but it's hard to yeah, do YouTube to channel. justify that. Yeah. When you're at a journalistic institution like Vox, you have a different standard of what you need to create in terms of the rigor and the fact checking and all of that stuff. And so by the very nature of the product, you are putting so much more time. And I do put a lot of time into my YouTube videos, but it's, it doesn't compare. It's like 10 times more effort to make a, a series of borders for on all aspects. I do feel like <clears throat> I – so Johnny works for one of the Vox.com or Vox Media verticals, and then I do a show for Eater. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> for my Eater. For Eater, one of their verticals. And I feel like I've actually been – trying to kind of like merge the two to put more effort into my YouTube videos, especially in terms of like, I really admire watching Johnny's creative process because it's so heavy on the pre-production and and the writing and the research. And I just feel like the end product is just exponentially better when there's even a small amount of effort put into those things. So I do want to experiment this year with like merging the two a bit, the processes a bit, and seeing like, like you said, you can't justify 
a crazy amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're these videos, they kind of just come and go. Um, but How much pre-production are you doing on your, both on your Vox and on your YouTube videos? For Eater, I do about a month of pre-production with a research assistant. So we're going back and forth, trying to like hone in on different stories, develop some sort of expertise on the local culture and the local cuisine. And it's a mo- travel and food show. So. And the month turns into how many videos? Because you spend a month, but then... Four episodes. Right, yeah. Um, for a video, if it's a travel video, a day of planning and researching a place. On a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's sometimes I show up and don't know anything, and I just know kind of the different blogs and, and websites that I like. But what's know? interesting is you said this today because we're making some pieces here in Banff and Alberta. You you did a little bit more pre-pro yeah, for couple, yeah. the piece that you're doing on Banff, and you said, like, man, it's just it makes such a difference to just put in a, even a few hours of just dedicated research when you get on camera, you have so much more to say and, and so much offer, more to way offer. Way more value. Yeah. It was like, what am I curious about with Banff? Like, what did I not know before? You know, everyone talks about these places like you should just know what it is, where it is, what you do there. Kind of doing the research to be able to explain those. I don't know if this is interesting, but I found it interesting watching Johnny's process. I learned, and then I learned eventually through my own show that a lot of the like pre-production, like the research and writing happens in post-production. That like after you've gone and done the actual production and seen the place, you have all this new information. You can't really learn everything about a place and a culture. So you come home and like edit the scripts and change them and like maybe research something entirely differently because it presented right. itself I mean, I imagine like you're creating a doc, like a traditional documentary you wouldn't know the story until you've shot the story, yeah. right? Yeah. And exactly. then you can reshape it a lot. Yeah, I think the the takeaway is basically this idea of of making sure that as you're making something, you're doing ancillary research to stitch together some sort of value-adding story. For us, that's a huge priority, and it's something that YouTube doesn't necessarily incentivize a lot of the time, but then sometimes it does. What? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, you know, like I find that a really well-researched, value-adding piece, actually people really do crave that a lot of times, and they do want to learn something. I, can, I find this even comes to conversation, though, not just doing a YouTube video, because in a YouTube video, if I am really comfortable with the topic and I know about it, I can just sit down and I already have things to say. And it's like that in life too. It's not just, videos are just a version of it. But if you sit down with friends, you know, I can be kind of antisocial, not antisocial, but same. Yeah, introverted in a lot of ways. And like I have to, if there's, especially as as the group at a table gets bigger, I have less to say. But if the conversation turns to a topic that I am confident in my knowledge about, and I have a variety of opinions about all of a sudden I can just start. Yeah. And it's going to be that much more compelling. Right. Like, and I think it's interesting, more interesting to everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Spent some time living with it and thinking about it. Whereas I think we can all, you, you have a sense for when somebody's sort of just. Winging it. Yeah. Bloviating. Just mm-hmm. like spewing the, the fresh thoughts that have come to their mind. Because sometimes we all forget that you don't necessarily have to have an opinion on everything. You yeah. Do, uh, and well, I th- and I think there's value within YouTube or within conversation of genuine personal reaction to things. Like, oh, I thought this or I felt this. I feel like that's just a much easier thing to do. To basically, anyone can offer how they feel about something. It's much harder to say like, and here's some information. Banff is the second 
highest city in Alberta. Oh, it's okay. I got the facts. Yeah, exactly. Second highest <laughs> like, elevation. Like, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you like, will after the, seeing my video and also after this podcast. Yeah, and Lake Louise is number one. <laughs> I didn't know that either until I saw you filming that. And I was like, oh, see, that's a really just interesting thing that these are like really high cities. It's because you do that research that it adds as opposed to just being like, wow, look at how big these mountains are, which is the much easier thing to do to react instead yeah. of offer information. Um, I think it's been a really interesting process to, again, like we, we work together, we work together creatively, you know, this experience very well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and we, there's a lot of push and pull there and we learn a lot from one another. Um, one thing that Johnny said very early on, like probably around the time that we were on the podcast together last, um, was that like, Basically, YouTube has tons of stuff that's not rigorous when it comes to storytelling. Like, you know, with that story promise and then following through on that promise for the rest of it. And I resisted that for so long. I was like, oh, you're such a story snob. Like, you don't have to put that much effort in. Just make it pretty and it will be great. Um, And then I just gradually started, like, inching towards, like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll add some, like, structure to this Mm -hmm. and put a little bit more effort in at the beginning. And, And like you said, like within a conversation, within a video, within like giving a talk or a presentation, the effort shows and it just gives this more like coherent, streamlined experience that is so much more pleasurable. Like if you paid to go to a movie, which most people are not (laughs) paying to see our videos, and it was some like incoherent, they are paying with their attention. Thank you. Um, if, If it was some incoherent experience that you're just like, how did this happen? Um, you know, you'd be so disoriented and confused. I think it's like applying that same kind standard. of focus and standard yeah. to YouTube, which is difficult because it's so fast-paced. But. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it, I mean, it massively pays off tenfold. And also I think builds the reputation of YouTube as a medium or as a, there's way too much of this, like they're just a YouTuber. Yeah. A YouTuber yes. being like a pejorative yeah. where... I mean, hopefully us and other people we're friends with in the community can try to reverse that because it's just, it's so disheartening when I see people. I I, mean, it's the future. Yeah. Right? Like this is where we're seeing real production. It's the same as, so I I saw the other day Vincent Lafray, who we we know, you know, great videographer and photographer was commenting on a Marquez video. And he's like, this is the only YouTuber I trust. I'm like, Mm. it's not his fault for not having seen other great, yeah, I mean, there's lots of you know, there's lots of great tech YouTubers, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and we can't expect him to be aware of all of them. But what it it does show is that he, it that's the average. That's what most people think totally. and feel. Yeah. is that there are you can't trust YouTubers. They're not well informed. Well, and I think you know? that's because up until recently, YouTube has been a place for kind of just all content that has not been vetted, it has not usually been quality. It has been a place for like people in their basement saying whatever they want. And I think it's gotten that reputation. And it still happens even totally. now with the good stuff out there. It's, yes. gonna, it's always going to continue to have terrible garbage. Totally. Yeah. There will always be that. But now they're, the economy has matured such that you can now incentivize much higher production and you can actually justify that, which is really exciting. And that's why we're in this game. Because now it's like we can spend a lot of time on a video and it's like there is an economy for that for us to spend several weeks on a video. Whereas before, it was just like 
no, it, you're only going to get a certain kind of content. I do think it's shifting. I had a recent crazy experience um, speaking on a panel with Jimmy Chin, who is the like Oscar-winning director of Free Solo. Yeah. And this was like at a predominantly YouTube event um, hosted by Samsung. And it's me and Jimmy Chin and then Jake Roper of Vsauce 3, who does these like really awesome science um, videos that he kind of describes as like accidental learning. It's like learning and entertainment. So you've got like two YouTubers and then this Oscar-winning you know, director, <laughs> documentary, right, filmmaker. documentary filmmaker. And it's just this like experience where you're like, oh, the tides are shifting. And I had a really interesting experience that I think I can talk about where I was talking to his manager um, and we were talking about kind of the event and it had been really just a crazy day. And I was like, so kind of self-deprecatingly, like, you know, like, what do you think about this YouTube event? And he was like, oh, this is this is the norm for us. Like, everything is shifting towards internet creation. Some of the best stuff that's being made is on this platform. We are very familiar with these events because it's where we're investing our agency's time. Yeah. And that was really cool huge, yeah. to hear. And I was like, okay, no more self-deprecating <laughs> like, <laughs> comments like that. It's changing, and that's exciting. And, and honestly, that's this year is a big experiment for me to really pour a lot of time. Like I'm doing borders right now, um, but I'll probably spend the rest of the year really focusing on just building my YouTube channel and seeing where it can go and seeing like what what I can do. Short of being a full on journalistic institution, which I, I'm not planning on doing that, but at least making stuff that has high standard of production, high standard of quality fact-based journalism adjacent type content um i i want to experiment to see if that is feasible and if there is a demand for that in a kind of a more independent way right i mean there is i think there is yeah, and there i think it's is. i think it's really exciting i've been telling johnny like i'm a big like hire fast like as soon as i had budget to hire an assistant i hired an assistant and then if i could hire beyond that an editor you know a dp that's what I've done. You know, that's been the most important thing to me is like, how can I do what I'm doing and do more of what I'm doing, but not completely burn myself out? Um, for Johnny, I feel like if you had a team with you, like developing stories and producing these things on your channel, it could just be so, so exceptional. Thank well, you. You guys have also <laughs> moved into some big, exciting new things. I want to make sure that we get to promote it while you're here. Oh, you yeah. launched... A thing. We launched a business, a company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is outside of just like us making videos. It's it's Very way exciting. different. Yeah. So we launched a thing called Bright Trip. Um, Bright Trip is online travel courses, which yeah. are not a thing that exists in the world, but we're trying which to is, invent them. That's weird when you say it that it doesn't exist because it's like, yeah. of course that exists. I know, right? It's right yeah. like, it's Think right of it there. as lynda.com meets. Uh, Skillshare meets Lonely Planet mm -hmm. meets kind of like a Vox video. Like there's explainer. Basically, you can buy a course and then go for like Tokyo or for Rome or Berlin. And then you go through and you learn about the context and the history of this place, the cuisine, the, the history of the cuisine, how you actually eat the cuisine, how you learn about the place while you're there. It's It's basically for you to have a visual high quality understanding of a place before you go. And so, yeah, we launched that in December and 
we're selling courses and we're developing new courses and it's a big new thing that we're doing. It's really fun because it's kind of a cross section of like the explainer stuff that we've done and that Johnny has done. Um, and then also the travel vlogs that I've done so much of on our channel. When we first met with Lonely Planet, um, one of the things that they said was like, well, why not just go to YouTube? Like right. there's tons of travel videos, but what we found was there's not a lot of travel videos that give you the like rigorous and like high kind of information density. There's a um, lot missing from YouTube. Right. Yes, there in is. In terms of yeah. like. Tactical and because of what we were of, just talking about. And it's like everything, too. I mean, it is travel, but it's even more than that. So actually, an example, a travel example recently, we just went to Aspen. It was just like, what's Aspen like? I just want to see some videos. Like, yeah. Show me, the, give me an idea about this place. And it was like very casual vlogs that did yeah. not, it was very personal, just about the yeah. few people that had been there. And um, and then some really poorly produced older yeah. travel videos. And you know what yeah. travel videos used to be like? They used oh, to be- man. Which is weird. Why did they used to be so bad? Because now they're like the easy thing to make it look good. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like you're looking at beautiful scenery. You definitely have a lot working for you. I mean, it's all those cross dissolves, man. They would just like (laughs) cross dissolves and the crappy aerial footage. It'd be like put it on a tripod, pan, and dissolve. And zoom at the same time (laughs) and dissolve and and then put this weird music. Yeah. They really – although – I've been watching a lot of Rick Steves lately, like the original OG. I haven't watched that. Um, And Rick Steves is like, he was doing, I mean, it's very cheesy, but like rigorous travel content, like way back in the 90s. I think people appreciate being given really like good information in a digestible way. And we're trying to do that through like cinematic footage and really beautiful, but like, good explainer animations, finding ways to take this information that's only existed in text and make it visual and kind of bring it to the digital yeah. age is well, the goal. I think it's a great idea. Thank and I you. mean, it was kind of funny because you guys started in tandem when we started on our courses that ours aren't ready yet. So we'll only, uh, we'll only talk I about yours wait. today. But uh, yeah, and people find them at, is hard. People Make, find them at brighttrip.com, I assume. Brighttrip.com. Yes. Yes. Brighttrip.com. We've got all sorts of ones, including travel with kids. Yeah. I don't know what your demographic is. We've got Tokyo. We've we have, got London. I mean, Who people knows? <laughs> people really like how to document your travels. It's kind of like a like how, basically how to use a cell phone to go around and like capture video and photo. I'm still shocked how much you guys travel with kids. You get, but by the way, anybody wondering if you hear little childish sounds in the Pitter background? Patter. Yeah, it's, it's little feet running by. <laughs> we have children, and you you do stuff like this still. You make it work, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Are. I think that for us, we found that they kind of rise to the occasion that you kind of bring them into and travel was one of those and they've just really taken to it. They're so easy now to travel. They really with. are. They weren't though for many years. They were not easy. They are now easy. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. make it sound like it's just like, yeah. no, it's it was like really intense chill. early on. Yeah. I also found myself thinking today, like I can't wait to go home and not have to put on children's snow clothes like five times mm. a day, it's like 12 <laughs> layers. You're just like, by the end, you don't need your coat or anything. You're just so nice exhausted. Sweating. But just think yeah. if you lived here, I mean, that's, that's how I grew up, um, putting yeah. uh, snow clothes on 12 times so a day. But cool. This episode of the Stallman Podcast is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 a month. No gimmicks, no add-ons. Let me tell you about my worst backup disaster. Uh, one time I was foolish enough to leave a laptop in the trunk of a car that I wasn't in. This is in Vancouver as well. This is where a lot of car break-ins happen, but I was nearby. I was only gone for 
seven minutes, maybe 10 minutes. I could see the car from where I was, but I happened to not be looking at it. And when we came back, my backpack was gone from the trunk. So regardless of any kind of backup solutions you have locally to a little hard drive that you keep in your backpack, um, that data just goes away as all the physical things that were backing it up goes away. And in that case, I lost a photo shoot, a whole shoot, not happy about it. But if you were running Backblaze, you would have offsite backup, meaning that it is available to you somewhere other than the stolen backpack. Backblaze can back up all of the documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything that's important to you, especially the photos and videos in my case. And if you do have a data disaster, Backblaze can ship you a hard drive with all of your data on it. And once you've restored your precious documents, you can send the hard drive back for a full refund. That part is incredibly helpful because as you may know, photos and videos take up a lot of space and I don't have as fast of internet as I would like. So that means your uploads and backups can slowly trickle upstream as you sleep. And then when you need a restoration in those emergencies, it can just show up at your doorstep with everything able to download over USB. Backblaze have restored over 50 billion files. That's a lot of saved project assignments and family photo albums. Having backup means total peace of mind. It's the difference between a data disaster costing you hours of work and just having a hard drive shipped to you. So remember, back up your stuff, guys. Go to backblaze.com slash Stallman for your fully featured 15-day free trial and let them know that you heard about it here on the Stallman podcast. That's backblaze.com slash Stallman. Do it today. Thank you to Backblaze for saving us from countless data disasters and for their support of this show. For non-YouTubers, I also wanted to just talk about some like things in the news. I yeah. asked you guys right before we started recording if you'd been paying attention to camera news lately, and you said no. So no. we'll see what you think of this. But I, I mean, I just have to talk about it because it's setting my Twitter Please, on fire. Wow. So Canon has pre-announced, this is like a development announcement, meaning there's a lot of missing details. Their new professional-ish, like they're, they're 5D of mirrorless. So their serious competitor in the mirrorless to landscape. The, to the A7s? Or? So it's looking like it would be closest to like, yeah, like an a 7 R4. Oh, okay. Like a $3,000 um, so, or $4,000. Yeah, so expensive, all the controls you want. I mean, you guys are Sony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't but we're not like Well, no, no, no but just in terms of what you're familiar with, right? Yeah, but, yeah we are recent We trained converts, on Canons. We trained oh, okay. on Canons. We were 5D Mark III, came over to the A7S II oh, right. two years ago. So we're pretty familiar with both worlds. Now so we're at the A7 III. The, yeah. And yeah, I'm doing more EOS R lately. So it, it's frustrating because often it does feel like a step down from the four. From the 5D Mark IV. Yeah, of course. It's, yeah. It, it is better in some ways because it's newer and it's n- not a professional camera. As yeah. Well, and I can feel yeah. it. So anyway, they've announced this one. It's called, wait, what is it called? It's called the R5. Okay. And the big headline feature, which is why everybody's freaking out, is it's going to shoot 8K video. Whoa. In a mirrorless. Whoa. For, you know. We don't have price yet, but we're all guessing like 3,000, whatever. Yeah. Like maybe maybe 4,000. Yeah. Um, 8K. First, what do you guys think of that? Before I say what I think. So of that. I tend to not be wowed by resolution, frankly. We're I don't. Terrible. It's just like I, we, I don't even shoot 4K. Johnny and I won't camera. shoot 4K because we need to edit so fast. How often like, do you shoot, shoot 4K? To... We shoot 4K when we're doing on camera stuff that we want to crop into, but we deliver it at 1080 for everything we do, basically. Like for our we series, output. we'll occasionally shoot at 4K if we want I to. I shoot have 4K the on my drone. Like, but in terms of like maxing out the resolution on our A7 III, it's just like, I, it doesn't, to me, a cropped in 4K image doesn't look like 
a 1920-wide image. I feel that, that way too, but I don't know if that's true. It, it feel, Or is it just... Because I was wondering, like, is that just in my head that I... like? It depends how you it watch the stuff It loses its value too. when I crop yeah. it to me. I've just found that, yeah, like... Yeah, that's true. 8K doesn't actually... I mean, even though the pixels are there, I find that for some reason that it just doesn't... That's exciting. Like, you'll have more re- resolution to work with, but it doesn't mean, like, oh, my gosh, 8K can just shoot everything in 8K and then just crop it does, like crazy. It does leave you with so much more flexibility, though. Like, for for us, we're doing so much run-and-gun stuff. So, like, when you have something that's 4K or 8K, like, the ability to, like, recompose and post that shot yeah. is big. You know, there's yeah. times where I would have wished that I could have, like, Punched kind of in. cropped in or, mm-hmm. yeah, or just adjusted but the But in frame. reality, we rarely use 4K. And right. so, but the prospect is exciting. Well, so what I see when I look at the people reacting on Twitter, most of the people that say that 8K is important to them are not doing much production. Yeah, yeah, You exactly. know, like yeah, yeah, people yeah. that need to get things done a lot of the time. Um, I think you guys are on the lower side of 4K. I think a lot of people, like, or, or maybe just compare, I'll just compare it to me. I don't know what the averages are. But like for me, I shoot 4K a lot. It's becoming more and more important for commercial stuff, even though I'm very happy to deliver in 1080 often. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for YouTube, I've been shooting a little more 1080 lately because yeah. it's easy. Small. But yeah, if you need to deliver stuff on a regular basis, like 8K sounds like such a burden. It, yeah. Storage, oh, editing, just storage proxies. alone. You know, and we, we work with editors a lot of times that were syncing footage via Dropbox and that, that system's mm, worked really yeah. well for us. But if all of that, you know becomes AK. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a crazy. nightmare. Yeah. What I'm interested in is what what does it look like in low light and what does it just feel Same. like? And like honestly, like what it feels like, which you can't and put in a number. And does it have a flip-out screen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will. What, what's the Please. user experience like? Yeah. What's the build like? Um, what lenses can I throw on it? Like These kind of other user experience things that are not as numbery are the things I'm interested in. The color, you know, out of the box, which Canon obviously is the king of color. Um, those are the things that I'm looking out for. And I would happily switch back to Canon, frankly. Well, so the, the big things that will... Um, really end up ma- that would matter to me that make the hugest difference is like give me 10 bit video yeah like full color space yes. where i can for th- for this reason because i get white balances wrong it's e- it's so easy to get the white balance yeah. wrong yeah. especially totally. like you set it to something where you're like this is daylight this clearly looks like daylight and then the cl- a cloud comes over and it's super shady totally and super wrong. blue yep. um I don't feel like other people talk about this enough, but I run into it all the time, and I'm I'm trying. I'm aware of my white balance, but I just make it home. We switched to auto white balance like last year. Yeah, I do auto white balance quite a bit because of that frustration, though. But because of that, because I'm like the if I'm just sitting there with the Kelvins all day, but I would still get it wrong with auto. I mean, it's well, just auto is not always right. Totally, it really isn't. And And to be able to change that in post, it would be amazing. I feel like spa settings for this is such a travel vlogger thing to say, but like spa settings for some (laughs) reason it doesn't pick up correctly. Like if there's like it just like goes super cool and is not. It's not. Yeah, and it's not that ten bit's gonna save us from that, but just like give it a little more flexibility. Yeah. I've also had some times where I've had some really bad banding. That's when I stopped Same. using the the Sony, especially, is that um, its bit rate, even in 4K, would really create some bit like in log or that was in log, especially also in HLG. You'll just get huge chunks. Yeah. That of was one of the really closeness. big issues with yeah. log, right? Sony with log, you have to shoot like two stops. 
overexposed. Well, yeah, which and is it, just. But it can, it can still happen. It's whenever oh, there's yeah. like a smooth gradient. And it'll also, just, who just wants to shoot out. two stops overexposed? Yeah. Like that's a yeah, such I, a like, there are confusing things about Sony's me. picture profile and color and just experience that I would be happy to jump away from, especially photo wise. And if Canon can lure me back with some bigger things, with low light, with the, these sensors like that Sony's been able to do in the video department, because um, that's why I didn't switch to the the EOS R was the I think there was like some cropping in the sensor. And you're not actually yeah, 4K. Using you can only shoot crop with that little thing, and it's like cool. You've got this big sensor, and so if they can change some of those things, I would be happy to jump back over. Frankly, are well, you trying to communicate to them through this podcast? Yes, I'm happy to jump over. Lure me. I want I, your L series. I don't think lenses. they're listening because uh, they, they haven't talked you to me yet. Know. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you know, I don't want to be too, even though, yeah, I'm like all canon at the moment. I don't want to be too, I don't want to be anti-Sony because like they've pushed things so far. Really have. And they keep having some advantages that, we, you know, we don't know about the crop on this actually. We don't even know if it'll do 4K uncropped. Hmm. I bet it will, but yeah, we'll find out. The bigger so. things for me, in fact, one of the major reasons I switched over was when I, the first season of Borders is actually when I switched over to Sony and it was because... Sony had come out with this K2M, this this uh, audio unit that you can throw on the top mm-hmm. that creates a digital signal into the hot shoe that you have two XLR inputs. So basically, no more Zoom recorders. You can record high and quality audio right onto your heart, onto your card. That right changed, into your heart, right into, right very into your heart, XLR and it will be there forever. In my heart. Um, <laughs> That changed everything for me, and it continues to change. Like just today, we throw it's it incredible. on and and yeah. throw a lob on you. Is that still the case with Canon that you have to record and then sync separately? Uh, it depends on what it, you decide well, that you have to do. So I'll usually just put a amped microphone, like use the Rode Video Mic Pro Plus yeah, into which, an eighth inch. Yeah, and it has yeah. its own amp right. inside, so it'll boost yeah. the signal enough. And Canon's preamps are still not very good. Yeah. Yeah, this um, is for, like for next la- level. Such a clean. Yeah. And it has two channels. Yeah, there's nothing like that for Canon. Yeah, and that is that is actually another barrier that I couldn't switch back on. Right. Well, I mean, that. unless you guys do more cinema style cameras, so that would be too big. Like, Yeah, I guess in our studio we could do like a C200. But I no, really for the love gun. having the, like, the XLR built into it and stuff too, and you just latch everything onto it and plug it straight into an XLR full-size thing. Like, hmm, that would be cool. But it's, it's big too, you know, you got to, carry around a, that's the thing it's like so in our impractical studio, for what we in, do in our studio we could totally do those yeah. big ones but we the majority of our work is we are out on a in a street market somewhere yeah. we're on a gimbal <laughs> yeah, yeah. and we want to get good audio yeah. and we want to love and we want a shotgun and going into stereo you know different channels and we need we need that canon canon listen to me we need it. <laughs> listen um the things that would be nice about 8k this is what i'm hoping for this is that it is downsampling 8k so it's an 8k sensor that like is processing everything at 8k and then spits that out into a beautiful 4k image because that can make that can make a huge difference like something that's just 4k to 4k is not as sharp and this if you watch mkbhd and then you watch me on youtube you know we're both shooting and shooting and publishing in 4k his videos look much yeah. sharper. Yeah. And that's the main reason. Exactly. Yeah. Whether or not he publishes an AK, it's an AK sensor and it it just looks sharp. That's what I mean is like 4K is 4K in name, but like as soon as you start to punch into it, you start to see that like, oh, there's some discrepancies here that you would not get if you were shoot if you were if you had a bigger sensor. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that sounds pretty cool. 
So Canon. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's still crazy. Like those a uh, consu- uh, consumerish camera having 8K video when yeah. we still don't have it's 8K TVs. And- What's crazy was we were just in Mexico shooting this promo thing for Samsung with Is. Yeah, we shot the entire thing on their new phone that they just released. And one of the big selling points of this phone is that it shoots in 8K, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think about that being in your pocket. Like yeah. that is just yeah. very strange. And obviously it's a, still a tiny sensor and all that stuff. But the yeah. fact is we did do some cropping in post and I was kind of blown away. Like yeah. we would keep cropping. It does make a difference even on like a, a more mediocre – For I mean I haven't shot anything in 8K ever. But uh, even on a more mediocre 4K, you do get to crop more. It, yeah. Right. It's, you can right. see it. Yep, 100%. Um, and for we do a lot of animation on screen and stuff like that. Like, And that's where 4K really matters is well, where you can kind of zoom in. And a trick for YouTubers to know is that you, if you upload at 1080, they process your photo at a more compressed bit rate. So they, they're uh, like, oh, 1080, you don't need as much data for this. So uh, they will compress it harder. And hmm. if you upload, I think it's over, it's not 4K, it's between that 1440 oh, yeah. by, yeah. I don't know yeah, the yeah, number. Yeah. yeah, if you're over 1440, it'll be like, oh, you get the bigger bitrate number. So even if you're doing a 1080 video, it can be worth it to spit just, it out up-res it. at one size bigger. And then YouTube's like, oh, we'll give you more data for this. Whoa. So then this is a hack. YouTube's been holding yeah, out on yeah, me. YouTube hack. Jeez. So that your your 1080 one is still processed. They they use that higher yeah. rate one. They don't compress to, it as hard. Yeah. I love this hack. I love it too. My I will never I'm going to do it first. It and it's even another it's a hack on the humans too cuz I bet if you just uploaded it at 4K most people wouldn't realize yeah, the knowledge. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have a lot of people who will ask like what one weird thing is that the one of the videos that I get the most comments on the color that I did was like a total mistake and error. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. I was actually experimenting with shooting S-Log and then two stops up and it was not, it was not pretty. And that is the one that everyone's just like, the color on this. And I'm like, <laughs> I look gray. Like it looks like I'm just, it's just People looks love like that, man. slightly colorized black and white. Um, but I will get a lot of like, is this in 4K? And it's just, I think a lot of people can't distinguish between the two still. No. That's obviously going to become a huge distinction. But they'll over create time. very strong opinions about it. Oh, they sure will. It's the internet, man. Yeah. Gotta have opinions. Well, and I feel like we can't walk away from this camera without talking about stills a little bit because yeah. that's what most people actually care about. I mean, that's why I think this will be a must buy for me. It doesn't matter that it shoots 8K. The video, it'll, you know, as long as it's as good as the R, great. Yeah. But uh, it looks like it's going to be way better than the 5D as well. And I've in been, what department for stills? Well, I've already been favoring the R more often than the 5D Whoa. now, and it feels worse. Like there's so many ergonomic things, and I'm just like, yeah. this is not. I'm missing the joystick. The big, clunky, yeah, yeah, a lot of just little issues with it, but. Autofocus is a huge part of it. The fact that it has face detect means that I can trust it way more. A flip out screen. Like, so, and for stills, what that typically means is when I'm shooting vertically, I don't typically have the camera at my eye height, like my no, natural you need standing to be able eye to see height. It. Yeah, I want it to be at waist level. So I flip out the screen and I, yeah. uh, you know, can, can, but I've actually noticed that that's one thing I liked more about the Sony flip out screen 
There's trade-offs, though. It's not clear that one's better or the other because you can't vlog with yeah, the Sony still. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Sony flips out to just be... Fl- I don't know if I can describe this very well. Yeah. It's almost like a... Like, ramps down. Yeah, perpendicular ramps down. to the yeah, camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that if you hold the camera at your waist level and look down, you see the screen. Yeah. Canon is a full articulating flippy screen. But what that means is that if you want it in that position so that at waist level you look down and you can see a horizontal shot, mm-hmm. it is to the side to the of side, the camera, yeah, which actually, actually is oh, distracting. I yeah. bet it is. The fact that it doesn't line up with the lens, yeah, you yeah. you notice it. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm really curious. So you're saying that your R, in terms of what happens when you're looking at them like in Lightroom, are you saying that the photos, the actual performance? The photos are very similar. No, okay. I, I, I don't think I could tell the difference. Okay, okay. Um, another thing that I've liked, but it's, it's, okay, so what other little features? It's like usability stuff, that focusing it has a new version of compressed raw, which I have to do some research on and figure out if it has any issues. But um, when we're shooting really high volume stuff that's just for Instagram, mm-hmm. I already on the 5D had been shooting in small raw, which just reduces the megapixels, just makes everything smaller. Yeah. But you lose dynamic range. You can yeah, see, like yeah, I can tell. Yeah. But often I could look at a scene and be like, it doesn't matter here. There's no highlights that'll clip. Who yeah. cares? So I just want the smaller file size. This is a new compressed raw that doesn't do that. Mm. Um, so I can fit 3,000 photos on a card instead of 1,700. Wow. Which, like, it's pretty great. I yeah. d- for the, the most of the stuff we're shooting, yeah. the lost quality is not visible to anybody. It seems people that get upset about AK, they can't see the difference. Yeah, in yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Compressed exactly. raw. Interesting. Well, man, I'll be really curious. I'll be really curious. But then I'm, there's more stuff coming with. There's also uh, the R6 is going to be coming out from Canon as well, which will have less megapixels in total. This one is apparently going to be like 45 megapixels, which I don't want. Yeah. That's too many. Like, why? Way too many. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I can even buy right when it comes out if the other one doesn't get announced because maybe the other one's what I need. Yeah. This is the exactly. story of technology. Um, I'm <laughs> always like, should I just wait a month? Before yeah. they announce the next thing, and I'm gonna know, we're like I'm gonna still need out to have for the it. A7S3, right? Yeah. It's just like we've been holding out for 18 months. Well, now it's got to be AK2, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no I mean, kidding. I mean, when me, these updates like come out, wise. yeah, for sure, they're like, oh, let's start all, <laughs> like, scrap it. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, huh. we can't not have that if Canon has it. But this has been, a, I mean, it's an amazing year for Canon. Like, we're so spoiled. There yeah. are so many good cameras out There's there. There's been so many releases. It's crazy. Yeah. How do you guys think about photography as you're sort of filmmakers first? Mm-hmm. I'm putting yeah. that word in your mouth, but no, yeah, I think you absolutely. are. I, yeah. So what do you how do you what's hard for you about photography when you switch? I'm actually really interested to talk to someone like you who like does both crafts very, very well. Cause I feel like they're so different. Yeah. Like for me, yeah, there's certain things like in terms of controlling your settings and understanding f-stop and shutter speed and all of those different things like that comes into play with photography and video but in terms of composition and like moments you want to capture and I don't know kind of working within um like a frame uh and the different props that are in it it my mind just I feel like I feel a literal shift Mm -hmm. when I go from video to photo yeah and I haven't honed that photography muscle. Yeah, I love it. And I love it as a way of capturing moments. And I would say like maybe I get three photos for an entire nine-day trip that I'm really proud of. <laughs> right. yeah. Not drone it's photos. It's not a bad ratio. Drone I mean, photos are a bit... You're more into drone um, photos. Than, there's definitely yeah. times I've gone places where if we're not shooting because 
we it's a job like we're not shooting a lot i'll come back and i will not post anything i will not yeah. shot anything i yeah. like oh, that yeah. happens yeah totally it, that is a really weird thing about like traveling more now is that like there's times that we'll go somewhere awesome and i don't post don't a photo for it. It. yeah i so never I post anything yeah. it's the yeah. worst and i'm sitting on like all of these beautiful images and videos but i just never i didn't remember we, we were just skiing for three days i didn't post anything <laughs> We took good photos though. There's good Annie post. You'll have some. <laughs> yeah, she's got yeah. Annie post. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I find that it's almost more of a technical thing for me. I since when she switching to Sony, I also started to switch more and more to auto uh, features. So before I was all manual all the time mm-hmm. because there was no autofocus in the 5D Mark III, you know. And so now that I've moved into Sony as a video tool and kind of autoized a lot of things. Autoized. That's my new automated. Automated. I think autoized is like way cooler. Everything. Um, Which I took me a moment to like become comfortable with that. Where I'm like, I'm not doing auto exposure. This is crazy. You know, like like shutter priority. When I switch back into photo, I want to like be more in control of my advantage of all those different and and shutter speed suddenly matters a lot more. And, you know, I can't be on like 150th um, if I'm shooting. You need more light. Yes. Yeah. You need more light in different ways. And like there's not motion to compensate for things. So it's like all of those things come into play. And I find myself being a little bit rusty where I'm like, oh, like I don't use these tools as kind of pinpointedly. Uh, Another one is uh, autofocus. I don't have my autofocus points set up where I can really hone them. No, I'm Um, just like re-clicking the thing. Yeah, we used to have it where we used to have like a center autofocus and we would kind of like lock it and compose all these things. And so that's my biggest thing. Part of it too is the editing of a photo. Like I feel like, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like video is a lot more forgiving. Like I could post a video without color correcting and it's going to be fine. You know, I'm not going to post most photos I take without color correcting them, like editing them. You There's know? also just different expectations of it. So this is, I feel like That's this true. is a video I've been kicking around in my head. I don't know if I'll ever make it, but just what people expect to see between video and photo. Yeah. The, the easiest way to explain it, the biggest difference is the white point in video is always way lower than in photo. Interesting. And sometimes I think that can get video creators into trouble, especially if they're tra- posting to Instagram when it's sitting next to other photos, uh, the whitest part of the image will be like three stops down. It'll be like a gray, like gray like very gray. Huh. And then you look at all the photos next to it and white is, what I mean, should be to me is almost white. Yeah. Like 95%. Yeah. Percent. Mm. Um, huh. the, the, and first, I'll turn this into some practical tips maybe. Think about a print, like you shot a roll of film back in the 90s and you get a print back and you put it on a, perfectly white table or on a light box or whatever the the print those edges you can see the edges defined from whatever you put it on and if you let the edges of your white photo clip and become pure white you no longer have any definition of what is the photo and what is the background of your website yeah yeah Um, so it's super important to keep your whites down just a little bit so in photography though that white point that people expect to see is brighter and Lately, also more saturated. I mean, like mm-hmm, we were talking about mm-hmm. S-Log, like flat looks are pretty common in video these days. Um, and if you see that in photo, it looks really weird. Really like, bad, that's like not, just like raw. So yeah. I find even in when I'm processing thumbnails for YouTube, I'll take, if I'm taking a still out of the video, I bring that white point up so that it's like a little brighter and I add a little more saturation 
a little bit of sharpening hmm. just to make it more photo like. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. On the internet. That's yeah, really yeah, and I think photos. Yeah, there's just is a different expectation because I think you can capture more definition, more information in one photo than you can in video, and so you're able to bring in a lot more kind of attractive contrast, or you're able to bring in more detail or whatever. Well, that's something holding me back from doing the video about it. Actually, is I don't know where I could do the research to find out really why. How did we get to this point? Yeah. Is it because of presentation methods like in magazine the way a magazine looks reads better as it's brighter and then in yeah. a movie so one mm. part i do think is true is that in a movie theater you're in a black room so the viewing you wouldn't want position it to so. yeah. is yeah is like Extreme. on black so white can be darker but if you're reading a printed page white should be getting close to the white in the is there there more dynamic range in a photo right there's probably more more. yeah now that we're in in digital world in consumer digital photography there's way more in a raw photo much 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 more yeah but uh compared to a consumer video camera but in the professional world like an area alexa versus a canon 1dx Mm -hmm. it's more similar i'd like to know actually if it's if there is a difference but it's Effectively, because I have to, hmm. I often find myself for thumbnails specifically, oh, thumbnails. outputting and bringing them into Photoshop and trying to tweak the curves and just finding myself completely halted for obvious reasons. You know, I'm outputting one file and or one like screenshot, and I guess I just have determined like, oh, video is always going to look a little crummier, and maybe that's just yeah. what it is. It's just like. Oh, the gray is because it's crappier. I feel that way sometimes and feel like giving up, but it does, It really doesn't have to be because just go look at movies. You know, just go look at some work of real professionals. Yeah. And it's not just that they had a bigger budget. Like there is, you can get there. And sometimes I see stills from movies. I'm like, this looks way better than any photography I've ever done. Like, it's huh. beautiful. So don't give up. <laughs> don't give, You've got this. I'll get there. I'll yeah. get there eventually. It, I mean, it, it is challenging, especially working from a flatter, like, S-log. If totally. it's super, super flat, then oh, you have you so sh- much of the work to do yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling you guys that, that I wanted to also have a general topic today so that we're not just going down our very specific rat holes. Yeah. I mean... I mean, that's part of the challenge. And it's part of why we chat offline a bunch is because we have a lot in very specific yes. things in common. Yeah, I text Tyler all the time about MacBook Pro <laughs> yeah, yeah. issues. Yeah. Like every little thing that happens with my new but MacBook Pro. But then he also always has like these life updates. So in the middle of like the MacBook Pro, it's like, <laughs> how like, are you doing, man? What's going like, on and then Tyler. it's like, oh, Anya and I are doing the shoot. And then it's like, oh, great. Well, I really need well, help with this. I just got eight this, terabytes you know? of my MacBook Pro and it's yeah. really great. Yeah. 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 Eight terabyte life okay, is but a great so life. The, the idea of generalness today was, I was just saying like organization, mm. a one word, one word theme, um, because I struggle with it. I'll, I'll start by defining some of our big, where I screw up in our organization of our workflow. Um, in my life, I'm the less organized of us by a mile. But part of the challenge is when it comes to gear, that's the thing I'm in charge of organizing myself. And oh, you are describing our life. <laughs> so excited to hear that. You're touching on some like hot spots. Well, here so the challenge here is like both of you are here to describe the situation. Anya is not here to defend herself. So I'll try, <laughs> I'll try to represent her as fairly as possible. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to like when, when we show up at a, at a shoot, uh, which so we just did actually, oh, yeah, I forgot to say the weird coincidences of all this. You guys coming to Calgary. 
you were just like randomly booked on the dates that we were shooting a promo for the hotel the that you were same, booked at. Yeah. Yes. On the first the person day. I saw as we pulled up to Me the hotel yeah. was Tyler. Both of you separately. <laughs> and then Izzy shows up the next day and the first person she sees they were like, is Tyler. Don't go, you can't go through the front door. And I was like, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying would have been the best is if we hadn't talked like, ahead of time yeah. and you just pulled up and I was standing there. <laughs> it's like crazy. Do you live in the mountains, Tyler? Yeah. Is, but finally, um, I feel like we've like near missed each other quite a few times. That's yeah. true. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but okay, anyway, yeah, we were, so we were shooting uh, like a commercial for them basically. And so I was faced with that and yeah, it's like packing an incredible amount of gear. Um, it's, it's really hard. There are maybe like on this shoot a hundred things that are required. Yeah. Like if I forget one of these things, it's out, there's right. a problem, you know, like yeah. somebody's yeah. running to yeah. the store or we're refactoring how we're going to shoot it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and it's a different list. That's a different hundred for almost every shoot. Yeah. It feels like for me, I don't know if that's. Which I'm, I'm immediately thinking the answer to all of this is this is literally someone's job. Like this yeah, is yeah. you, you it, are yeah, doing this. It, it is on bigger sets. And you are DPing. Johnny's trying to tell you <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah, no, what, well, yeah, this so. is my, this is my justification too, because we have a, not as much gear as you have, and we don't have the same kind of technical requirements, but like we have a lot of stuff going on in the studio. And often I'm thinking there are studio managers who specialize in organizing and maintaining in, it does in help you feel gear. okay about the fact that it is a shit show at times, yes. right? Where it's like, this is something people are hired full-time to do in and of itself, and, so and I'm it's doing a shit three show, other full-time. Then that's because I don't have that person, is what is my that's whole thing here. That's where you go? <laughs> that's yes. nice. It's yeah. how I justify whenever she gets mad at me about not ha- about the organization. I'm well, like, and I want to expand the circle of organization a little before, because I would easily end up just talking about the year but it also means like knowing when the shoots come so this is the stuff i'm bad at like Mm. organizing for the shoot i can handle it and i'm like ready but like when is the shoot happening what day yeah Mm -hmm. and what day is it today (laughs) yeah and did we invoice the client for it and do we uh, you know did we get all of the creative references and are they somewhere that we can see them every level of what comes through email what comes through the communication with the client i mean it's not it's not just the Mm, I don't know what you can get into a certain kind. Like I find myself enjoying organizing the stuff that I'm into. So it's like, yeah, prepping the gear, making sure it's all there. It's like it's more fun because I you like it gear. comes more easily. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas the other stuff does not come easily, yeah. so it's painful. Yeah, I definitely enjoy handling more of like the marketing and business side of what we do. Yeah, um, and that's where I put majority of my energy but i think we just we just had a fight about this before we came um to canada so the fact that this is the topic is real it's serendipitous yeah beautiful let's hash it out right now let's, some wounds let's finish the fight but right i here. think the argument pretty much landed on the fact and this is where we came you know johnny and i had like when we first got married very traditional roles in our marriage and this is going to sound very disconnected but it's not so, you know, I was doing majority of the the caregiving and uh, he was working outside the home. And then as we kind of continued, we've been together for 10 years now. Over the course of those 10 years, we started to shift towards 50-50. And we've probably in the last two years just achieved it almost exactly. And it's a dance. It's like a very nuanced dance with a lot of conversations along the way, right? But... um some of those conversations were things like finances, like in a very traditional role marriage, the male in the household typically handles 
the finances. And it wasn't something that I was heavily invested in. And I had to, we kept having arguments about it over and over and over again, just like, well, whose job is this? And why are you telling me this, you know, last minute? I already bought it, whatever. And then we realized like the only solution for us, what's going to work for us is to be 50-50 on this. And that is a very weird thing. And we do it in different ways, like the way that we're thinking about it. We still have work to do on it. But I think gear was the same thing where it's like, you can't, you're not doing a great job. I'm sure using I'm your words. You said this. No, I'm not. Um, I could lend, I am an organized person. I like organizing. I could lend some help to this. I understand the gear. Like there's no reason I shouldn't be involved in the process. It's just not something that I particularly yeah like doing similar to finances. So it's like making those strides towards doing it together. But then there's also, I don't know, there's There's merits to delegation. But there's what I'm going to say is like kind of what I said before, which is there are tons of jobs that you can't just do 50-50 or that neither of us are good at, like managing contracts and invoices and taxes Mm -hmm. and all these things. Or file management. Talk about organization. So this year, we have really gotten aggressive about saying there are people who are really good at this, who are really good at this, and this is what they want to do, and they have systems for it, and they've seen way more complicated stuff than this. Let those people do this, and we are going to empower them with knowledge and like of our business and pay them to do it. And we've really aggressively hired in that department. So now you have someone who handles your email, handles your calendar, handles taxes, and it's just like, and is is actually the like cheerleader of hiring, even if it is kind of like financially aggressive, because it really allows us to do what we're good at, which we're good at making stuff. We're not good at at, at invoicing it. clients or or calendaring. Yeah, you it's know? kind of recognizing that has been a big part of our situation. So you're saying we need to hire someone to come in and do the gear. <laughs> well, even even internally though, I mean like if this applies more generally to people's lives, I think there can be this habit of, I especially see this from guys of like, I'm just not as good at doing the dishes as she is. Yeah. So I, yeah. let, I let her totally. do the dishes. Yeah, she enjoys it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it can be really hard to like recognize like, when are you, when am I doing that? You know, when is that happening? Totally. And try to keep yourself accountable to it. And yeah. it, because then sometimes it also does make sense. And even, I mean, it like when you bring up the, the, in terms of gender roles, I'm curious if there's any couple photographers out there where the woman is taking care of the technical side. Because every because it is it's that Maybe is that's Chris such, and Lizzie, yeah, or yeah, Be- actually, yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah. And Beck and Chris, I mean, she Becky. is also like Lizzie's like a business badass too. Right. So she's taking over a lot of like the crunching numbers, like big strategic yeah, yeah, yeah. planning. But I think she's handling. Gear as well. I'd be curious to ask. We should ask. I know because they just keep running into the same sort of thing, and I'm like, yeah. There is a. It's a very yeah male thing. But there's always that thing where like if you if you just abandon because in in our situation like I'm bad with numbers. Anya's background's accounting, so like she. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, so she's amazing with them, and that's when it makes it really hard. And I do fall down on it because she's she did it professionally. Like she's good enough to. So maybe that's the question then. Like if there's a true like expertise or knack for this, and asking yourself is there. Yeah, but it it also lets me give myself an out too often. Oh yeah, where you're like, oh, that's your thing. And I think she did that a bit with 
the technical side as well, where she really does understand computers. And in her in her life was always the computer expert until we got together. And then it's like, oh, he's even more into it. Yeah. Well, then, like, I'll let him yeah. take on that role. It's a, it's yeah. a matter I've of... I've been waiting for Johnny to, like, program one hotkey into my computer for, like, <laughs> a year. Yeah, and, and it was this moment. In fact, last night we were I was studying a new catalog in Lightroom because it's 2020. And I was like, okay, let's go over smart previews and import settings and presets. And she was, it was like the end of this long day. And she was like, can you just handle this right now? And I was my like, my brain, like, involuntarily. And you, said it, and you said, you said, my brain is turned off. Like, as soon as you say the word catalog, like, I'm tuned out. And I was like, stick with me. And she was like, no. And I was like, stick with me. And then she was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And she like, and you made that effort to be like, I will listen to you as you talk about catalog structures. And we'll make it happen. And you did, and it was wonderful. And you took one step towards. And that boy, moment. do I ever understand those things now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, think it's, it's that appetite. It's of a constant like, dance, right? Like yeah. when you're when you're doing this together, organizing with two people is a totally mm-hmm. different ballgame than organizing for well, yourself. And in yeah. general, this like uh, becoming good at something. You did a video, Johnny, that was pretty great about it, of like how to learn a new skill. Yeah, which I think really taps into how I've always thought about it as well. Yeah, but, like. Well, you describe how you described it. Just like you need some sort of accountability, some sort of exciting reason to like jump into learning a new skill and like that will like force you to learn it. And then yeah. doing it over and over and yes. over. And Whereas over. like watching a general tutorial where it just it tells you everything about Lightroom, for example. Here's how catalogs work. Yeah. Here's how you import your photos and you just watch for an hour and maybe you try it a couple times. Yeah. Versus when you're like, crap, I just filled up six memory cards and I have to delete yes. one. How do I import them into Lightroom and I need to do it yeah. the right way? Yeah. That pressure of like, I need to do this yeah. right and I need to do it fast. And, yeah. Then uh, you those learn. are the teaching moments. Yeah. Those are the teaching sure. moments for so sure. So finding yeah. those excuses to teach yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the accountability thing being like, there's, there's a pressure behind it. There's some sort of like, I actually need to get this done. Which has been actually a great part of our day or like a saving part of our dynamic because I feel like there is, I think it's because we are husband and wife been together 10 years. As soon as I start to teach there, I can see the brain just like turn off is just we like, may have talked about this with you, but I learned to edit videos looking over Johnny's shoulder and he wasn't allowed to talk to me when <laughs> yeah. he and was then, doing it. And then you would go off and edit wedding films when we like had to get them out. And so it was a survival thing. And now these days, like with your eater stuff, like these high pressure deadlines, like Samsung, whatever it is, it's those moments that you just are like, I have to learn this yeah. thing. And I'm like off somewhere and you just like step up and then it's I like, cry and then I step up. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. like, They're tears. but I think that I was telling Johnny actually this past week, I was just feeling like, wiped and I just said like I don't think for one second in the last two two and a half years since I started have I felt comfortable in any given moment like not like I'm happy I'm comfortable obviously with my family but there's always this energy and kind of like a little bit anxiety about uh, how to improve or how to hit this deadline or needing to do this thing and it's been such a crazy like process of learning because of that, because I never let down, you know, I haven't let down in two years, but it's also been a lot of moments of like calling Johnny, he's in India, like, why are you answering? I don't know how to do this. I think I lost the footage. And, you know, and then like problem, he's like, I can't talk. And then, you know, just like (laughs) solving it it on my own and figuring it out. And um, those are the moments where you change 
completely, you know, because you're never going to make that mistake again. You're going to figure out how to do it and how to do it right. An example that only resonates with people at least our age and older is like setting the time on the VCR. I guess it could still be on on an oven. But um, where, yeah, there's like only one person in the house learns how to do it. But the thing is, the way that person learned was just banging your head against (laughs) it. Just like pressing all of the buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep hammering at it until something happens. Isn't it so common though? I know know when I started... Like resonates so hard with me. When I started YouTube, I remember, you know, I didn't know anything about YouTube. I didn't watch it. But when I decided I wanted to do it, I watched 100 Casey Neistat vlogs in a row. And I remember then my idea, and there's a book about this actually, um, about kind of the fixed or fluid mindset. But my idea about talent and skill um, was that it was kind of like, God-given. I'm not religious, but we'll just use that because it means the same thing. <laughs> like, I just thought like, oh, you were born yeah. with this. Like, yeah. you just have a knack and that's how you exploded. And not in like a snarky way. I really just thought like, wow, that person just like has the star power, right? Then I started doing it and like, I it's the classic like old adage of like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. But like when I started doing it, I saw like what it takes to get better and better and better improve the audio and improve the visuals and improve the edit and the storytelling. And my whole like perspective shifted. And I recognized, like you said, like with the VCR, like just that person learned by banging their head up against like Mm -hmm. when you're in that house and your dad knows how to do the VCR, you just assume like superpower. He just just knows the stuff. Like it's just in in him. Um, And then you learn through adulthood with a myriad of things oh, no one's going to teach me this and I'm just going to figure it out and then I'm going to be that person that someone thinks right. just knows You're the it. one that, yeah. You know, the because they don't yeah. see all of the, like, those really crazy moments where you learn and make mistakes. And, yeah. you know. I feel like we're in that right now with the organization in terms of just, like, we're in the time where we're banging our heads and it's, like, hopefully in two years we'll be like, yeah, and here we are. We have a perfectly organized We just need – there has system. to be a YouTuber who has figured this out. I do feel like there is some innateness to organization. Yeah, yes. there that totally thing, is. I mean, There's again, definitely personality types, right? Back to Casey types, Neistat, right? like look at his studio. Totally. It's – you don't get that structure of like where everything goes without it being a little bit inside of totally. you. Right, absolutely. 100%. And I think that there are – like we're inclined towards certain, yeah. certain setups for sure. I wish I had that more – like – the closet in our studio down here is just I've reorganized it several times and it doesn't last it is all a perpetual disaster and I want it so badly to be good like I really really yeah. want we have it to work and I don't know how thing. to make it yeah. stick it's sad I mean it it's again it's just it's a matter of having so much gear yeah, but and then still needing more. I mean, yeah, and then of course you're you have probably so the much real new problem gear. is we just don't have enough. Gear. We don't have enough gear. The insatiable I, gear appetite. I think it comes down to like when we've made the big shifts, whether it's like upgrading our gear or buying and renovating a studio or hiring someone. The question that you know the answer to had to be yes was, will this drastically improve the end product? Yeah, and right now. Yeah, you're like putting together a hundred things blows my mind before a shoot because we definitely are much more minimal with Seven our gear things. setup. <laughs> but, and you're doing it and you're doing it well. And like maybe sometimes you're forgetting something, but you can kind of pull it together. Like I'm just putting words yeah. in your mouth. But until it's like, this is going to drastically improve the focus I can have on that shoot, the end product, like what we can capture, 
it's hard to make that shift. And organization is just something that you can kind of get away with. It falls, it falls by the wayside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. An example for me on this last shoot actually is in commercial video production, as things scale up, you would always have a gaffer on set who basically is in charge of um, lighting, more or less. And uh, you would hire them and they would bring a gaffer truck that is just full of that, that hundred items I just mentioned, yeah. they'd have 500 and <laughs> just for lighting. Yeah. And it may or may not even come off the truck. A lot of it's just sitting in that truck all the time waiting to, you to come out. And so that was what I was thinking about on this last set shoot is like, when do we hit that point where now it's worth it to hire a gaffer specifically where that means they are in charge of it too. Like, well, we're there. They are, I'm not the boss of moving the light. And, you know, putting right. The so scrim. the question is, like, what would that do to the end product? And yeah. I would bet that it would really but change also, it, right? And there's the, and those challenges, too, of, like, wait, when am I making this? When am I complicating it, too, though? Yeah. That's Especially true. in totally. terms of, like, being on set. Do I need to bring someone yeah. into How this? How many yeah. bodies are keep it moving totally. quickly enough? Yeah. yeah. So. Kind yeah. of maybe finding some, like, happy medium between, like, a professional gaffer and, like... Just you yeah, there's some investments that can make a huge difference in this sort of work, and then some that just kind of complicate yeah. it. You yeah, know? it's really hard to judge ahead of time yeah. what's yeah. going to be what. What you said be. though was key, where you uh, said like also your well being, not just the end product, but like is this right. going to improve? Yeah. Like yeah. for us, some of the hires we've made, an accountant in particular was to resolve some of the like tension between us saying like, "Well, you do it. No, you do it. Have you done it? You know." Um, so I think like those hires can also make a really big difference. Having someone manage in dynamics. just in my email has been a a well-being game changer for me because for some reason my several email accounts had just caused me like anxiety all the time. Having like a first, I don't line think of you're defense. the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think email's this is a- really hard, and for me it was like an easy thing to check off. So I'd spend. Just random. Yeah, you get kind of a productivity buzz by just like kind of sorting through. So having someone who's just there, getting rid of all the garbage, kind of flagging the stuff, just organizing and keeping it. That's I've been in that for about six months, and it has been heaven. And it's like a few hours of my assistant's time each week, so it's not like a huge investment. It's like a couple hours a week, and it makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. I have inbox zero most days of the week. Wow. Sorry, but it's true. I'm just proud if my red dot stays below 10. Oh, that's good, though. I'm doing great. You see, like, all the, like... Tweets or memes that are like twenty thousand and like oh that's no, that's crazy. So you scary. Know, it just can that. get completely out of control. I wanted to touch on something totally unrelated before the end of it. Just something that you introduced me to on the last podcast was Adrian Bliss. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I went that was way kind down. Of gutsy for me to recommend. I went him. way down the rabbit hole. I think oh I watched like most of what he did, and Blue. so I want to bring it up because he's still not a big YouTuber. No, no. at. All and he made a. Did you watch the recent one, the Christmas His Christmas ones? ones no, they're amazing. I showed you a little part bit. In it where he was like, "Why are you still making these? Nobody watches them anymore." Like, as a, as a, I mean, delivered He's, in a very he funny is, way. Like, painfully yeah. aware of, of, of this industry and his place within it. Yeah. And anyway, so if anybody hasn't watched him, try it. You. May not like. I mean, oh, I don't man. think it's a super mainstream. If you like, thing. like, it's, a, it's like, completely niche, super and, English, very dry. Yes. Yeah, and very. I would say if you watched like Good Neighbor or if you like like dry, comedy. kind of quirky humor, he he nails it. Yeah, I mean, but he's he's kind of the anti YouTuber in the mm-hmm. sense that like when we met him in Toronto last year, he truly. And in fact, if you watch one of his vlogs, it's it's one hundred percent a critique of the influencer lifestyle. 
and the kind of do things for the camera lifestyle. And he complete it's not even a critique, it's a total takedown. Yeah, he was really thing. funny about how it's like kind of weeded out certain relationships. Like some people can't handle the mocks. You know, right. when you watch it, you're like, oh, too, too much truth. Yeah. Yeah. Too much truth. Yeah. Um, exactly. But he's hilarious. But he's, he's so, so funny. hilarious yeah, in the process. Yeah. And oh, I just wish, wish more people would watch because it's also like a format. Even that, actually, the format of like it's a sitcom. Yeah. And he's producing it with, you know, each story is pretty straight. It's pretty stripped down. Like there's no B, yeah. there's no no, B plot or no, whatever. No. But compared to how most, especially comedy YouTubers, like I don't, I don't see this format very often where it's like the story will connect to the last episode. It's There'll a be, journey. Yeah. There, yeah. there will be a big, uh, like a season arc. Oh. Of like something will be set up at the which start, is his film and it'll land at the end, yeah, and often be emotional. Which yes, you're like, yeah, I can't yeah. believe this. Yeah, well, he's a writer by trade. Did, like, he, oh, he, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He like writes for maybe for like TV or for comedy or something. Oh, okay. Like that's what he makes, does, makes and then he does yeah. this as like a little canvas sure, yeah. on the side. Did that take you into any of the other British YouTubers? No, man. I will tell you, Uh-oh. on a fluke, <laughs> I got exposed to the British YouTube scene. I made a friend around the same time that you commented on my video, which I have to say, I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, probably not because I was like playing it cool, but you commented, I remember that you had 60,000 subscribers and I had like maybe five and you You said- You had like 1,200. Maybe we did talk about this because it sounds familiar, but you said that my videos are criminally underrated. Underviewed. Underviewed. Yeah. And I, that was- like one of those, there were certain moments and not many, like five or 10 moments along the last two years that were moments of validation. And that was one of the key ones that was like, okay, if someone making that stuff oh, likes well, this stuff. Yeah. That's super nice. It and I mean, it's so me. funny how like numbers work and all this stuff too. And it's why I try to also keep commenting on people's stuff now too, because like when you're at certain points, like when you're under a thousand, it just feels completely impossible it really how can i ever get two thousand yeah like that would never happen and it's actually very lonely like there is something that happens with the numbers where you're suddenly in a different an example that i've talked about when it happened i think because the podcast was going as it happened is when my twitter numbers increased twitter becomes a different place when you have a following yeah Mm -hmm. so i i remember this from before my number was bigger that I'd hear podcasters talk about Twitter and be like, I can't relate to that experience where you just ask a question on Twitter and you'll get a bunch of response. You'll get any responses because I think the average Twitter experience is like you tweet something and crickets. Yeah. Yes, here. Yeah. It's it's like, (laughs) I literally tweeted, is this thing on? (laughs) I mean, it's, it, but it's hard to remember. I don't know if it's hard. I try to remember um, that the experience of having a wider amount of people paying attention to what you're doing on the internet is really different from average. And that if you are aiming for that, like to have more people engaging with you and following you, um, that, I don't know, we were, we were all there and it's not, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what's bizarre. Well, at this time when I had next to no subscribers, I decide to on making a digital friend, very dangerous thing to do, but I knew people in London go and to this, UK YouTube event. This friend was like, it's smaller. It will be a good first time event. Like, I think you'll really like it. I know no one. I don't, I not just like, I know no one personally. I know what no one does. Like, right. I don't, I, I still hadn't watched You're an very outsider. much. Yeah. 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 So I show up and like the first day is just 
awful. I think I called you crying. Like no one cared who, of course, who I was, but like no one wanted to talk to me. And they all have their own world. And, and it becomes that because they all have so much, they're experiencing a very unique, weird thing, which is being a public personality. And I think there's a closeness that comes from that. I now see it differently, but at the time it was like, oh. But um, what I got exposed to in that trip, and it eventually made quite a few really good friends, was this world of UK YouTubers who are making, it's a cross-section of like, YouTube content, kind of old school YouTube, smart, fun content. But then it's like very like traditional film. Like you can see that there's like studio sets and makeup and costuming. And it's really interesting. And not not all of them, but the ones that I have just like been exposed to and watched um, one in particular, Sammy Paul, he's a director and a YouTuber and he directs mostly music videos, but they're extremely like high, pro- the, the production quality is magnificent. It's just beautiful. And it has really impacted what I make, just seeing this different kind of genre of YouTube. And, Adrian, and I think that's- Adrian Bliss is kind of in that. He's realm, within that. Yeah. And I think what's weird is like how much just globally YouTube differs and like how much we kind of have to glean because adrian bliss was one that has still impacted my sense of humor and my Mm on-camera you know (laughs) bits um and i always love to find things that are just very different and then just like glean like teeny little bits from to shift what i do well for anybody out there that thinks there aren't good youtubers uh i hope we've (laughs) <laughs> proven them wrong. I mean, there's, there's a long list so of people many. to watch. So many. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what are you guys going to do right after this? You're heading back home. We fly home tomorrow at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to go get our boys in the hotel pool to Ooh. burn some energy. And then we're going to yes. throw them in bed. There were big promises made. Yeah, big promises. Yeah. And then we head to Vancouver next week and Park City, Utah oh. the next week. We're and now obsessed with skiing after yeah. this weekend. <laughs> We're like, this is fun. Yeah, we cool. literally well, booked a last minute trip that's to go a to Park City. Good excuse for us to meet up again somewhere else. One hundred percent. We will be back yes. to Alberta. All right. Well, the kids are done too, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next Running time. Running up the steps. Thank you so Thank much. You.